0: Onto Y Foodie X Basic Max right want on. The only podcast taking you under the helmet.
1: Ladies, son expert analysis breaking down the quarterback play in the NFL each weekend. Don't they feel good when your crowd behind you? Let's give them something to chill for now.
0: This is Inside the Pocket. Ooh-wee. With your host, Greg McElroy. Welcome in. It is Inside the Pocket. I'm your host, Greg McElroy. Thanks so much for joining us. We are going to do a deep dive into week two of the NFL season, more specifically the quarterback position. It was a pretty good week, all things considered. You look at the quarterback play around the league. Hasn't been this sharp early in the season in in quite some time. Statistically speaking, 51 touchdowns through the first 16 games. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of intriguing stats. With what we're seeing offensively, and I think it's because even the worst teams in the league actually have decent quarterback play, which is pretty remarkable. For instance, I'm not sure anybody expected Gardner Minshew of Jacksonville to play as well as he's played. Jacksonville coming into the league, probably one of, uh, one of the teams with the lowest expectations, to be fair. Probably. Well, Gardner Minshew's playing his tail off even though it was in a losing effort this past weekend. Look, as far as everything's concerned, man, it was a pretty dang good week for quarterback play. And we have to start. We have to start like we always do with the gold star, the performance of the week. And it goes to none other than the week two MVP, Josh Allen. Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills which is pretty amazing, right? Like, I have all my buddies from Buffalo. Oh, this guy. Hey, MVP. Well, outside of Russell Wilson, tell me who else would make pretty dang good argument for MVP through two weeks of the season. Okay, on the short list, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you might as well throw Mahomes in there, even though I don't think he had his best stuff this past week. But when he had to have it, he made some dang good plays. Josh Allen's in the mix. Now he's fresh off a performance in which he completed nearly 70% for 417 yards, four touchdowns. And I know what everyone's going to say. <laughs> I mean, I, I can almost finish the, the line. Well, he's looked great against who? I mean, okay, it's the Jets and Dolphins. They're among the worst teams in the league, but it's still, tell me Josh Allen is an improved player. He looks accurate. He, of course, is continuing to use his legs. And he, I think, has been smarter with the chances he's willing to take. We all know he's got a gifted arm. But I don't feel like he's just throwing it for the sake of throwing it. And it's early. I mean, it's two weeks into the season. And our overreaction meter is probably at an all-time high. But I'm really encouraged. Really, really encouraged. Now, we're going to learn an awful lot this week when he faces L.A. And more specifically, Aaron Donald. But <laughs> I, I do think that there have been some pretty considerable strides taken by Josh Allen uh, here over the first couple weeks of the season. Other performances of significance. All right. So let's throw out. We already know who got the gold star. That's Josh Allen. Let's throw out a couple of bounce-back performances. I thought were appropriate. One in particular came last Thursday night. It was Baker Mayfield of the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield, bounce-back performance recipient winner. And also, by the way, he had the highest total QBR in the NFL in Week 2. Well, it's against Cincinnati. I get that. I understand. (laughs) I get it. Like everyone's I I I can already hear people groaning. It it's okay. But what I like most about Baker Mayfield this past weekend, the stats were not eye-popping. They were fine, not great. He was 16 to 23, 219, couple touchdowns, interception. But he had his swagger back for the first time in a while. Like Baker Mayfield as you watched him throughout the 19 season, it never looked like he was in control. He always looked like he was searching. But when you look at his performance against the Bengals last Thursday night, I don't know if he woke up feeling dangerous or what. I don't care. It's not about that. But I thought he was decisive. I thought he was accurate. And I really, really liked his willingness to push the ball down the field. I mean, he made some really nice throws. In that ball game, there was a certain velocity on the football that I hadn't seen. And in fairness, the ball was jumping out of his hands. And then when I watched Joe Burrow on the other side, he, the ball doesn't jump out of his hands. So maybe that made his arm look a little bit stronger, but the ball was really jumping out of his hands. And if you look at the accuracy and you chart the accuracy for Baker Mayfield in the game against the Bengals, I mean, he was pretty dialed in. And if you look at the completions, not all the throws, but a lot of them, a lot of them were right on the receiver's face mask. I mean, right there. So I was really encouraged. Bounce back performance of the week. All right. Other notable performances, and we're going to detail them with Todd McShay of ESPN, who will join us here in just a minute. Want to get into what Joe Burrow looked like last week with him. Want to get into what Justin Herbert who stepped in in relief of an injured Tyrod Taylor, want to make sure we talk with Todd about Justin Herbert. I mean because I thought his performance was excellent under the circumstance. So I really want to get in and dive in to that with Todd. Other performances of significance though, how about the Monday night action or Sunday night action, excuse me, between Russell Wilson and Cam Newton. Let's start with Russell Wilson. I know I said Josh Allen a second ago has a very strong case for the MVP. Well, I think Josh Allen's case would be stronger if Russell Wilson wasn't playing football right now. He threw for five touchdowns. And I'm telling you, man, like the throw he made to DK Metcalf on the deep V route for the touchdown, the first touchdown that Stephon Gilmore's given up in two seasons... That throw was ridiculous. I'm not kidding. Absolutely ridiculous to move and drop a dime in there. And he pushed it down the field on so many different occasions. I mean, he just sees one-on-one and takes advantage of it. Plus he's so elusive in the pocket. I mean, he has Patriot rushers coming right at him and he just makes them miss him. He's just so slippery. It's, it's remarkable. I mean, really, really remarkable, but not to be outdone, Cam Newton, who I thought had an exceptionally good, exceptionally good second half. In the first half, Patriots using those RPOs, Cam getting physical with some of the big body runs between the tackles, being accurate on some of the throws off of play action, which is obviously going to be a big part of what the Patriots are this year. I thought they did a nice job of working him into the game through some curl routes, got him comfortable. But in the second half, when they said, hey, man, go get it done, that was as accurate and as decisive as I've seen him from within the pocket since 2015. If you look at the ball placement and the velocity on a lot of the throws that Cam made in the second half of that football game, you'll, you'll think, seriously, it was the MVP. You really would. It looked like that guy. He threw one throw to Julian Edelman on the left side, where he threw it from his own 14-yard line, and he threw it on a frozen rope. It probably didn't get more than 20 yards off the ground. 56 yards from his own 14 to the Seahawks' 30. Look at that throw when you get an opportunity. You'll thank me. (laughs) It is. Everyone's worried, well, how's his arm going to hold up? Just look at that throw and tell me how his arm looks to you that's a ridiculous throw, and he did it, and and made it look, frankly, very easy. So those were other performances that I thought of note. But like we finish every week in our monotone <laughs> monologue, excuse me, monotone monologue, when it comes to this point, because it's not a fun topic to discuss. It's the Titan Up Award, and no, that's not a that's not a play on the, on the mascots uh, there in in Tennessee, the Titan Up Award. For the second consecutive week, goes to Carson Wentz, uh, and and man, I, I just he he's sharing with Kirk Cousins, by the way. So don't think, whoa, what, 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 hey, what about Cousins? Yeah, bad. I know. <laughs> Believe me, it was a bad performance. Cousins was was brutal, absolutely brutal. They got to get a lot of things figured out there in Minnesota. So I don't want to spend too much time on Kirk because he was not the only issue with the Vikings on Sunday. But Carson Wentz, the problem that I have right now with Carson, and I'm going to detail it in in much greater detail in the second part of our podcast later this week, Carson Wentz is not seeing the field right now. His footwork is an absolute mess. He's late with some of his throws. I feel like he's predetermining where he's going with the football. And then when he throws the football, he's not always cognizant of where the defenders are going to be. And that just, that just can't happen. I mean, Carson Wentz has played entirely too much football to make the decisions that he is currently making. He's been around for a while. This is year five. And to not recognize leverage against defensive players. For instance, third and two, early in the game. He's got his running back offset to the left. He's got a linebacker that's covering his running back man-to-man. The reason why you know it's man-to-man is because they just motioned a receiver from the left to the right, and the defender ran with him. You know it's man-to-man. You got leverage right now, probably three or four yards of leverage, and you got your running back right out into the flat working against the linebacker and man coverage. He instead works the other side, tries to fit a slant between three defenders, and almost gets it picked. It's incomplete, by the way, and they punt on fourth down. I and mean, like, this happens three, four, maybe five times over the course of the game. Just can't happen. It happens far too often. So Carson Wentz has to start making better decisions. He has to be more accurate with the football. And more importantly than anything else, he's got to get his feet underneath him. Because at this point right now, when he tries to throw, he's overstriding, He's off balance. He's late. It's a problem. And by the way, you can't work very hard on fundamentals during the season you're worried enough about what the other team's defense is going to do. I got enough to keep me busy. Than to work on my footwork and fundamentals hard and drill them hard during the season. So he's got to tighten up. He really does. Uh, so does Kirk cousins, but in fairness to Kirk cousins, everybody on the Minnesota Vikings needs to tighten up. All right. When we come back, we are going to be joined by Todd McShay here on inside of the pocket. We're now joined by Todd McShay. Todd, what is your title exactly? I was looking for it. You're like oh, senior please. draft analyst, you know, sideline analyst, ESPN Prime crew. Like, what, what is your title exactly? You're supposed to
1: warm me up and make me feel good about things at first. Don't, don't you know no, the so interview you see, people? Like,
0: <laughs> then we establish like we, we kill your credibility and then we bring it back up. That's, that's, uh, that's where we're going. Uh, more like a
1: military. Point.
0: Yeah, we're just de-recruiting you is what we are. I got you. Like we I got you. just rookie hazing is what it is. <laughs> it's your first time here on inside the pocket, so I figured we'd, we'd make you feel very, very at home.
1: They uh, they change it on me all the time. Just just analysts. Let's go with that. That works. Let's go with
0: that. All right, perfect. <laughs> all levels. All right. Todd does a great job, of course, covering the NFL draft uh, and being a part of ESPN's family of networks, both in drafts coverage and also calling games with the college group, including. Todd Blackledge, and Sean McDonough. So we always appreciate our time with Todd. Todd, I, I want to start by by discussing a rookie debut. Uh, Justin Herbert, really surprising pretty much everybody. I didn't think he'd take the field at this point of his career. No. And I absolutely didn't think he'd play as well as he did. Let's start with his draft analysis. What was Justin Herbert coming out of Oregon?
1: Well, and I, I mean it's so obvious to see to see the big arm right and and the mobility that he has for a for a bigger quarterback uh, the concern I had was just watching him and, and studying his consistency in terms of his accuracy and ball placement I thought he he improved in terms of decision making but I questioned how quickly he was processing things you know and so yeah. I go just go back and looking at my my um rankings now I had a Joe Burrow one Tuatanga Tagovailoa two Jordan Love slightly ahead of um of Herbert at four. So I had Love at three and Herbert at four. So to me th- those are kind of the big four. And then after that there was a there was a drop off. But Justin Herbert, I-, I thought I was very confident he was going to be a first round pick. I had him as kind of a late first round prospect, 27th overall player in the class. Um but again I he did have a lot of game experience, and I know they wanted to be a, a run-first team with uh, Mario Cristobal, a former offensive lineman. Like, they just wanted to run the football, and I never felt like they let him loose and I never felt like he cut it loose. Or There were a lot of times where we just watching his tape that I, I didn't feel like he was cutting it loose throwing the ball, and a lot of it was because of what the identity was at Oregon. So you see him in this first game, and, yeah, hey, we didn't expect him to be in there. And what happened with uh, Tyron Taylor and and, and the chest. Um, And then he comes in the game and plays so well. Um, It makes things interesting.
0: I was amazed, Todd. And looking back at just college tape and covering him in college, he had a big arm. He didn't have great weapons outside of his tight end at Oregon. He really didn't have great weapons. So I'm starting to think to myself, okay, did I take, that take into consideration that his weapons were maybe average to just slightly above average relative to some of the other guys in the class, like LSU's Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa had incredible receivers like Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith and others. Should we have maybe put a little more stock into his lack of a supporting cast? Because I didn't expect this. I thought he was a project guy, and frankly, if you had to choose one or the other, I didn't like him. Uh, I really yeah. didn't. I didn't like him at all coming out, uh, but now I I kind of liked what I saw from him this weekend with the mobility and a, and the big arm. I thought he layered the football nicely. So w- where was it that we might have missed on the evaluation? Because he doesn't look like a project player. He looks like a guy that could take over right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll, and I'm not saying this because I had him as the, the fourth quarterback in the class, but I've I've learned over time, and I'm, I'm sure you're you're well aware. Like one game doesn't make a guy, obviously, and right. If he continues to play like this and he, you know, even his, his head coach, Anthony Lin has said that if Tyrod Taylor's healthy, that, um, that he will be, he'll remain the starter. And, and Justin will go back to being the number two for now, at least. Um, but I, yes, I think you make a, a good point. And I mentioned part of it too, the offense that they're in, you compare that to what Bama was doing. Right. And the other interesting thing too, if you're just kind of studying it and going deep into it, look at Joe Burrow in 2018. Compared yeah. to Joe Burrow in 2019, I had a fifth round grade on him, and some some guys in that's the higher that most, to,
0: That's higher than most. That's higher than most, by the way. I, like, I know that they, fifth they, round they, they, was gen- that was generous from you.
1: I said it. I said it at some point, and and, um, and, and one of our buddies texted me, "Is like you're lying. <laughs> you you had him as a free agent because we all did that's, <laughs> no, I, I I get generous in the summer because I'm in a good mood and and there's no pressure on it. But uh, but yeah, I didn't. Whether it was fifth round or seventh round or undrafted free agent, whatever it was, no one anticipated that from Joe Burrow a year ago. But the system changed, and they opened things up. And yes, they had weapons, but they were allowing him to utilize the weapons. And I think well, clearly, I mean, Justin Herbert didn't have anything close to a Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, and certainly not the 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 four receivers that were at Alabama. You mentioned Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith are back this year. They have a chance, by the way, Alabama. To be the only team in the history of the NFL draft to have two first-round receivers multiple times, and that means like at any point in time, and they're about to do it in, in consecutive years. So, Tua Tagovailoa had all the weapons you could ever ask for, plus Najee Harris at the running back position. So, yes, weapons were part of it. I also really believe part of just watching him. And again, I I can distinctly remember sitting right here with the cowboy remote in my hand watching and saying damn man just just let it rip let it go you know and and I, I don't know if that was just because of the offense and how obsessed uh Cristobal and that that offense was in, in terms of protecting the football and and not you know putting their defense in bad spots and running the football and being balanced um and just not taking advantage of what they had in Herbert uh, but they also had a lot of success too so you couldn't be Upset with the results if you're an Oregon fan for the most part, but um, but yeah, ultimately I, I think part of it is the, the weaponry around them, and then part of it is is just the the system and what they're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah, I I was really really impressed with with him. Mean, he was twenty two
1: of thirty three.
0: I'm 60, telling you,
1: sixty seven percent. He threw the one pick, but he threw over, over three hundred yards. And you, the thing that you said that stands out to me, and and I agree, and I I haven't watched every throw. You know, I'm watching a bunch of NFL games coming back sure. from from a game, but um, but the touch that he was throwing with right. was um, really stood out. Like layering the ball in between, you know, in between coverage and and being able to take some miles an hour off that fastball, which a lot of big arm quarterbacks struggle to do.
0: And that was uh, that was my biggest concern. Like, I didn't think he had savvy. I thought he was nuance. I didn't think he had any nuance, and he showed more of that. Yeah. I thought in one game in the NFL than he did at any point in his Oregon career. Also a little surprised with the wheels. He moved pretty dang well. Not that he's ever going to be an elite runner, but he can but keep he, you honest.
1: He, yeah, once he gets going, he's, you know, he's one, of, one of those angle killers. Yeah, terms, he's a little he's bit... A, he's a long strider. <laughs> he's a little bit
0: of a momentum guy. Like he, He's not a zero to 60 in like 2.3. He's like a zero yeah, to 60. He, you know, He'll get there when he gets there, but when he gets there, he's, he's hell on wheels. No pun yeah, intended. He,
1: he, needs, he needs a runway.
0: Yeah, without question. I want to ask you, you referenced Joe Burrow. I want to get to him uh, next. Uh, I think so far, so good. I still, Todd, and it kills me to say this, instincts off the charts good, intangible qualities, really think the world of him in that regard. I still don't think he's overly gifted physically. I don't think his arm is that big, and it's actually kind of showcased itself in this first Agreed. couple starts, it doesn't mean that he can't make all the throws. It just, he can't make all the throws look easy. So what's been your assessment of Joe Burrow here in these first couple weeks?
1: Well, you know, they're own too, but I, I, I don't think it's because of quarterback play. I really don't. Um, you know, he, he had a couple moments, but um, where, he, you know, the strip sack jumps out to me because I, I watched that game live and, um, but that was just a hell of a play yeah by miles garrett and then he got he got popped i think that i agree with you with the arm and i haven't watched it on coach copy tape which makes it easier to kind of see the the velocity but i've seen it enough i mean we know we know what he is He, he has i would call it adequate arm strength he's never not a big arm guy um the timing is is what he excels at i think his best quality and define it however you want, put whatever word on it you want. but I, I words on it, I should say. but pocket presence and and pocket awareness and the ability to maneuver inside. he he's one of the better quarterbacks I've watched in several years coming out of college, the ability to to feel it from the outside, feel pressure from the outside, climb the pocket. Feel pressure from the inside, slide the right way. Never worried about getting hit. Never worried about, you know, am I putting myself in a bad spot. But then getting the ball out on time and, and doing so because he's hanging in the pocket and not wasting any movement and, and his eyes aren't dropping as, as everyone always talks about. But um, I, I think you see that from him. I think you see the the toughness too. I mean, he he's a guy who's always just popped up. It right. doesn't matter the hit; he t- he just pops up. He's not peeling himself off the ground. He doesn't need an offensive lineman to come grab him and, and, and you know get him off the off the turf. He just pops right up and he, you know, he comes from a family of defensive guys, football family, two brothers playing safety and linebacker at Nebraska. And he's just you can tell that they, they did a lot of beating each other up in the backyard and and, um, and nothing seems to, to cause him any concern or, or create fear. And I, I love that about him. So, yeah, he's not. I mean, you watch Kyler Murray in Arizona. Right. And he's kind of a transcending talent and they're utilizing him perfectly with the athletic ability that he has. Joe Burrow has to have weapons around him, but if he does, and if he's protected a little bit better, he can be really, really good in this league. Yeah. But it, the league is changing, and it's going more to the Kyler Murrays and, and the mobile guys than it is to uh, to the pure pocket passers.
0: No, I, there's no denying that. And Kyler, we, we've talked a lot about him, and we'll continue to. Uh, I'm very intrigued by what's going on in Arizona between both him and Cliff Kingsbury and, of course, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, it helps to have that personnel on the outside. Visiting with Todd McShay of ESPN. Todd, I think you are one of the few people in the world that is capable of answering this question. Uh, actually, about two guys. yeah, Because there's uh, I can't ask a lot of NFL analysts, and, hey, can you tell me a little bit about Gardner Minshew? I can't ask a ton of NFL analysts and say, hey, tell me about Jeff Driscoll. But, since you evaluated those two guys, and they're both going to be starting on Sunday for their respective teams, uh, what can you tell me about the evaluate? let's start with Driscoll because he's going to be making his first start of the season. He's played in past uh, at, at a few different spots. but what what should we know about Jeff Driscoll heading into his first start with the Broncos on Sunday?
1: well, i I remember watching him you know, in college, obviously, and then the, the senior bowl. And I think he gets the ball out quickly. You know, he's, he's sturdy in the pocket. He's not overly mobile. Um, I remember giving him a day three grade and, and I think he went in the sixth or seventh round, sixth round, sixth round. 20, six round. okay, yeah.
0: 207 overall.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, you know, got the ball out quickly. Could spread it around. They like to go a lot of, you know, most places do. But like, I remember with, with his offense, it was a lot of shotgun and, and three-four receiver sets, and and a lot of screens and short throws. But um, but I remember him at the Senior Bowl having a pretty good week, and and just you know, kind of liking his toughness inside the pocket, and and his ability to get the ball out with good timing.
0: They gave him. I mean, he gave him a chance last week against Pittsburgh, and that. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought he fared okay. I, that's a hell of a defense. They can get after you. I thought he fared Might okay. Be the best
1: defense in the league.
0: Yeah. It's up as far as putting pressure to the quarterback. I don't know if you'll find another one better, but I, I thought he gave him a chance. And I remember watching him. Look, he was at Florida before he got to Louisiana tech. And he yeah. always was one of those guys. The guys got incredible potential, incredible potential. And it just never really came to fruition. Now he was better at Louisiana Tech than he was at Florida, but maybe now a couple years in the league, been with the Bengals, been with the Lions, maybe now he has an opportunity here to start for three, four, five weeks in Drew Locke's absence, to maybe carve out a a spot for himself as a starter or the st- spot starter somewhere else, and then finally uh, before we yeah, get you, yeah, he's another out of- guy
1: too. I remember just going back and thinking about it. He's in that, like he ran fast.
0: I he can roll. I, no, he's got some yeah, speed. Like he he's ran, got like, some talent. He
1: ran a four-five, I think, in his his forty. And you didn't always see like the quickness wasn't. Oh, didn't always match up with the speed when he took off running. And I, I didn't think he had great awareness in the pocket. That's what. That's what I'm now remember, remembering, going back to that evaluation. But it, it was a lack of awareness in the pocket. But once he gets going, he can he can take off run, and he can extend plays.
0: No, he could scoot. There's there's no doubt. He was always very gifted and. Hopefully now with with some extended playing time, he'll have a chance to showcase that with all those talented weapons that they have at wide receiver and tight end uh, in Denver. Finally, before we get you out of here, we got to ask you about Gardner Minshew. He's kind of taken the NFL world by storm. Frankly, as a guy that followed him closely in college and kind of admired his savvy from a distance, uh, I'm not shocked that he's had a pretty good career. Now, I would not say that he'd ever be a long-term starter. I am shocked to say that that's a possibility. But I'm not surprised. I thought he'd be one of those guys that'd be in the league, you know, 10, 12 years as a backup, yeah. go in, ball, kind of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, where he's gone in and at times has been kind of like a baller. But, you know, at the same time, he's probably not the guy that's going to resurrect a franchise. So what's been your evaluation of him to this point? and And just how much better can Gardner Minshew get?
1: Uh, I, I always remember just watching him at the Washington State and like, a lot of those guys that are that are in that were in that offensive scheme, you know, the the air raid scheme, um, and and specifically with with uh, Mike Leach, it's just it's almost like watching a shortstop. Like get the ball, pivot, get the get it out, you know. Um, but he had I remember thinking at the time watching him, he reminded me a little bit of, of Baker Mayfield. You know, he obviously wasn't yeah. to that level, but I remember actually saying that. Uh, during the week of practice at the senior bowl. He's got that like almost a similar build to the, the not, not a big guy, but that thick lower body, um, the way he carried himself. It wasn't just about the system getting the ball out. Like he would hang in the pocket and go through progressions. And I think, you know, he, he again, he has limitations and he's never going to be an elite quarterback, but I think he has enough athleticism to move inside the pocket. Really tough guy. He's shown that. Um, so far during his, his NFL career, and I don't, Jacksonville's not good enough around him. I, I don't think this is going to last very long. I think Jacksonville's got a, a chance to be, have the number one overall pick, and, and they could obviously wind up going in a in a different direction. Trevor Lawrence would would obviously be that pick if if they are choosing at number one. But um, but I've been impressed to, to see. I, I just like you. I didn't think that he was as. Poor is maybe his draft stock or some of the other other people. I I thought he had the ability to to hang in the league because of some of the positives I just mentioned. Um, But I didn't think that you would see him as a a consistent starter in the league, especially as as quickly as it happened.
0: No, it's, it's been fun to watch. And it's something that we will continue to document. Todd can't tell you how much we appreciate the time. When can we expect, you know, Todd's mock draft, you know, 6.0 out of 96. <laughs> like, like, when's your next draft coming well, out? It's got to be coming the, out we've soon.
1: Are, we've already got the top 150 on, on ESPN.com, but uh, it's usually December, right around, you know, this year's up for many reasons, a very different year. It's usually kind of after that, after championship week. Um, but this year, the championship week, it looks like it's going to be on December 19th. So I'm guessing it's going to be right around, you know, right around holiday time.
0: Beautiful. Can't wait. More than anything, I just want to see where you have Trevor Lawrence going. I want to see. And at that point, you'll have a pretty good understanding. I want you to put one out now, though, so we can just see who you think is the worst team in the league. That's that might be where I want to go with
1: this. The the mock drafts are going to start at pick number two, because we all know what's going on at number one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Rightfully so. Uh, Todd McShay. Todd, thanks so much for your time, man.
1: All right, brother. Talk to you soon.
0: Always love visiting with Todd McShay does such a great job in draft prep leading up to the draft, but also does a great job of evaluating and projecting where these guys are going to be over the course of their career based on how they play early in their career. So great to visit with him. Uh, We have a surprise. This used to be one hour long podcast. However, we're going to adjust it. The quarterback spotlight, the weekly spotlight where we go way in depth, way in-depth and go snap by snap in assessing a quarterback's performance is actually going to be released in a separate podcast. So that'll come out on Thursdays. Just deep, deep dive into the X's and O's, the decision-making, the footwork. We'll grade it, we'll talk about it, and we'll walk you through it. That'll come out. And our spotlight this week is on none other than Carson Wentz, who really struggled in his performance against the L.A. Rams. It's in there, Carson. I know it's in there. I know it's in there. Just got to find it. You were very close to being the MVP just a few short seasons ago. Just got to find it. And confidence is not an easy thing to create when you're struggling seeing the defense. For all of us here at Inside the Pocket, I'm Greg McElroy. Look forward to being back with you next week. You can download this podcast on SiriusXM app or on anywhere anywhere where you get your podcast.